Welcome to the latest edition of the Omnitalk Spotlight Series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies that are coming together to shape the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And today we are turning our attention to a subject that we can tell you firsthand isn't talked about nearly enough at Retail Insider Cocktail Parties, and that subject is tax. Yes. And specifically sales tax compliance, how to collect it, how to keep track of it, and of course, how to pay it. Because Lord knows, Ann... It all gets pretty darn complicated pretty quickly without the right help. And most importantly, also the right automation. And you have firsthand experience with this. Oh my gosh, I do. I was sharing with our guests before we went on about our days running Urban Rooster Shop, an online Shopify site. And when it came time for tax time, I I think that was one of the very first times that I broke down in our entire working relationship and was like, Chris, I cannot do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, there, there were some tears shed over oh getting gosh, the taxes paid. Awful. And there was some big... finding every county within Pennsylvania and how much tax we owed each county. It was just like. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. So joining us today to share their considerable expertise on the subject are Meg Higgins, Avalara's Vice President and General Manager of Global Partner Business Development and Strategy, and Sharon Gee, the GM of Omnichannel at Big Commerce and the Senior Vice President of Sales and Partnerships at Feedonomics. Meg and Sharon, welcome to OmniTalk. It's great to have you both. Thanks for having us. Thank so much. Great to be here. Yes. And where where are each of you based today? Where are we talking to you from? So I'm I'm here in the Northeast in sunny Connecticut. So I'm about an hour outside of New York. Uh, I was in New York for many years, but now I uh, hail from uh, Boulder County, Colorado. Oh my gosh! All right, Boulder County, good. Spots. Know it well, Ann. Know it well. You do know it well, Chris. Um, well, let's get started with a conversation. I'd love to just have each of you tell the audience a little bit about each of your backgrounds and your respective roles. Um, Sharon, let's go to you first. Uh, sure. So. I've been in big commerce for almost four years now, actually started at uh, the uh, IRCE conference back in, you know, four years ago in June. So coming right up. Yeah. And so uh, full circle here. Um, And I was brought on to lead the omnichannel technology partnerships practice. And that means that we would ink and manage relationships with technology partners that include folks like Google. Meta, TikTok, Amazon, eBay, Walmart, Pinterest, TikTok, Snap, all the all the channels that somebody would want to take their data and send it to and then sync orders back from. And it became very clear after building that partnership practice for a while that omnichannel commerce, which is the ability for you to help a shopper discover your product, no matter where they are on the internet or in person, online, in stores, was not going away. And then COVID hit and it became more important than ever in order to be able to support that. And so kind of two years in, um, led the acquisition strategy for a company called Feedonomics. Uh, And now the entire partnership team that runs our relationships with Omnichannel Partners uh, sits within the Feedonomics organization and I lead that revenue team. And what, what the reason that we did that is because Feedonomics helps serve merchants on any platform because Amazon and Meta and Google, they don't care what e-com platform you're on. Right. They, they just need yeah. quality catalog, inventory, and order data in mm-hmm. order to be able to uh, surface your products to those who are searching for them or to you know put it into the feed so that when you're doom scrolling on your favorite social commerce channel, you can discover that product. And so <laughs> Feedonomics is a platform agnostic best of breed solution that obviously works very well with big commerce, uh, but it also works with other e-commerce platforms. And we're great partners uh, via the the big commerce partnership with the Avalara team. 
Thanks, Sharon. Uh, Meg, let's go to you next. Tell us a little bit about you and your role and how you work with Sharon's team. Yeah, sure. So actually, I'm about to cross a four-year anniversary as well at my company. So started at Avalara in July of 2019. Previous to that, have been in and around e-commerce for 20 plus years, shipping, logistics, technology. I ran our retail practice. The last, uh, my last role there at Pitney Bowes, uh, which I was there for about 17 years before coming to join Avalara. And we led the acquisition of a company called Border Free, which is specializes in cross-border e-commerce. And then subsequent to that, um, we acquired a company called Nugistics based out of uh, Austin. And I led all client management, partner management, et cetera, um, there while I was in that role. And, and what really drew me to Avalara was I had done a partnership deal with them for cross-border services. And so that's sort of where we intersected. And not that I have a specialization in tax, but there is so much overlay of my background in e-commerce and in cross-border specifically with tax and tax obligations for retailers. So I started as the GM of our marketplace business, stood that up, um, and then expanded that to be uh, both e-com and marketplace. And then since then, I've transitioned to, to lead all of our global business development efforts here. So, and we've clearly got some two big brains on bread yes. here. That's that's what I've got, two bona fide experts here. So Sharon, I want to go back to you then for a second here, because there's something about your title that s- sticks out with both Ann and myself, which is the word omni-channel. It's actually in your title. Uh, so I want to start off with that. Like, what are the overall trends you're seeing from an omni-channel perspective from the chair atop which you sit? And pointedly, how complex is omni-channel commerce going to get across all levels as we look forward here into the future. What's your take on that? I love this question. We think a lot about it. Uh, So anymore, anybody who's shopping on the internet, which is all of us during COVID and beyond, we want the same thing. We want to know, is this the product that I want? Is it available near me? How much will it cost? And when will it get to me? Those are Mm -hmm. super simple shopper desires, right? right? Being able to send that data to every single place that I might scroll or click or look, whether it's searching for products on classic search channels like Google or uh, originating search now on things like social commerce, like, you know, very significant amount of of younger generations are actually searching on TikTok for products. Um, All of that information, search relevancy is often based on product data, right? And the information that you are essentially sending to these various different channels. And so what's interesting about the rise of Omnichannel is it's essentially a set of digital handshakes where data has to go back and forth between systems of record and channels of growth, right? I need to take my catalog that sits in my big commerce store or in my ERP or my PIM, Mm -hmm. and I need to take that data and I need to optimize it for the destination channel it's going to. I need to be able to sync quality data that says title, description, inventory, Mm -hmm. pricing. And I have to send that information to all of these channels where somebody might scroll or click or search or be watching a video, right? So whether it's shop retainment and vertical video across a wide range of social commerce channels, or whether it's um, search or marketplaces or affiliate or loyalty or text messages or messaging apps, all of these experiences, you know, and then and then when you think about all of the rest of them that include in-store. So how is that digital experience that I'm having connecting to my in-store experience, buying online, pick up in-store, you all of a sudden start to bring in multiple uh, inventory locations. So it's not just, hey, ship this out of a warehouse. It might be ship it out of your East or your West Coast warehouse or Amazon's Buy With Prime Fulfillment Centers with FBA, or it might be, um, you know, 3PL in Europe that you're using to support your channel expansion, depending on where you're selling. So 
things get complicated very quickly when we're trying to help shoppers have a seamless experience, right? We uh, we talk about um, we talk about no matter what channel that you're wanting to interface with, you want to know the same information right. and have that quality confidence that this product that you're looking at is the one that you want to buy. And then enter kind of all the privacy laws that came in. What happened was these big technology platforms know that they no longer have the same signal that they used to when, you know, uh, with third-party cookies and kind of all of that, they used to be able to triangulate who you were and where you were shopping and, and be able to serve you a pretty personalized experience. Um, with the changing regulation around privacy, which we all know is important, it means that it's harder than ever for people, you know, you can't spend this $1 on social the same way that you used to and get five back. Mm -hmm, there's right. a lot of change that happens. So now there's a big focus on first party data, which means all the technology platforms are kind of creating these walled gardens where the transaction actually needs to happen on the channel. Thus the rise of you used to have channels that were ads focused and now they're marketplaces because the transaction is actually happening on the channel. Mm -hmm. So you can discover your product anywhere and you can buy your product anywhere with the advent of a lot of the new technologies around alternate payment methods, um, one-click wallets that have identity that's already saved on someone's phone. Uh, and so that combination of things, meaning if you can shop anywhere and buy anywhere, there's a bunch of handshakes in the background that have to be able to send that data back and forth. And so whether it's the rise of advertising channels turning into marketplaces or marketplaces launching new advertising programs that we've seen with folks with retail media, which is a very big new thing, mm -hmm. um, or whether it's integrating that data with buy online pickup in store, whether it's expanding channels, you want to, you sell your product and you want to put it on TikTok shop. You want to sell it on Instagram shops. You want to be able to uh, bring orders in from various different channels and fulfill them in the same way as you fulfill your own direct to consumer orders. There's all of a sudden a lot more complexity and all of those things trigger tax considerations. And so partners like Big Commerce and Feedonomics working with folks like Avalara, we're all kind of tethered around this concept of whether it's whether it's using new solutions, new social commerce channels like TikTok Shop or taking advantage of new programs with people like Amazon Buy with Prime or expanding your, your global footprint for cross-border or multi-brand, multi-storefront, multi-region location currency. Um, there's a lot of considerations where best of breed technology partners essentially have to, to talk to each other in order to send the data to make the experience seamless, not only for the shopper, but for the merchant who's man managing that experience. Yeah. And I want to talk about that a little bit too, because I want to, I want to ask you two follow-up questions there. One is, you know, what I took from you is you say, basically the idea of this omni-channel world where a product can be available anywhere that people want to acquire it, rather they can, you know, they can order it traditionally via e-commerce or they can do it by via buy online, pick up in store. They can do it curbside. They can go to their store and get it. That, that essentially is adding a tremendous degree of complexity, especially as we get into the tax side of things here. Is that, that's what you're saying? Yeah, the more channels you have, it's a nonlinear problem, right? Let's mm -hmm. say I sell one product right. Good way and to I say sell it, it in yeah. the US, but then I also want to sell it in Spanish, French, and German to a bunch of different countries. And each of those countries, I have to send different product catalogs in Spanish, French, and German and English to all of the ads channels that then feed traffic to that site mm -hmm. or to the regional marketplaces where I actually, actually can fulfill those orders. So it's a nonlinear issue of growth. Right. And to all the municipalities where those stores operate too. Mm -hmm. Like that's a factor as it. well. So then the second question I asked, cause you brought it up. I am I'm curious because you brought it, brought it up and it, we've talked about it on our podcast a couple of times, buy with prime, talk more about that in terms of what the impact is there that people need to know about. Yeah. So I think buy with prime is interesting because it's one of the newer programs that Amazon has released that, that essentially in a world where historically merchants 
um, haven't been able to acquire new customers and then remarket to them on Amazon. What, what Buy With Prime has done is that it, it has made it possible for a merchant who runs their own direct-to-consumer site to place a button on the direct-to-consumer site and offer products that are available in Amazon's warehouses to be offered on the direct-to-consumer site with a next-day delivery guarantee. And that checkout can happen uh, on that site experience using Amazon Pay. And then the order is actually fulfilled from Amazon warehouses. What's interesting about that is the order is not happening on Amazon Marketplace, Amazon.com. It's happening on a merchant's direct-to-consumer site. And so they actually get that customer shopper, that, that shopper data that they can then use for loyalty and remarketing, which is very unique. It also means that, you know, if you think about a company that like, let's call the CPG brands who have, you know, who it might not make a lot of sense for them to run a onesie twosie warehouse where they're all sending, you know, that mascara out across the world, but they have tons of product and it's a very normal thing for them to have a significant amount of inventory sitting in Amazon warehouses where now all of a sudden they can run campaigns where instead of shipping pallets of product to retailers who don't give them any data back around their customer, they can now run campaigns and draw direct conversion correlation to the ad dollars that they're spending uh, directly on their own direct-to-consumer sites where they own that first-party conversion data. So that's an example of what Amazon has done to help customers acquire high-intent prime shopping audiences, um, make it easier than ever for them to convert by providing you know, a, a very seamless payment experience on the on their own direct-to-consumer site because everyone, you know, many, many shoppers already have their prime login already on their phone. And if you click buy with prime, it's you know, two thumb clicks and you're in and that product can be sent to you with a, you know, next day prime promise that many people are very used to. So it increases conversion and then it allows you to, to essentially retain and nurture that relationship with that customer in a way that's never been possible before. So Big Commerce is the first e-commerce partner to play, uh, to to partner with Amazon in this kind of relationship. And you can kind of look at the press releases and we'll be speaking with, uh, with our partners there at, at the, the Rice Show as well in Chicago. Um, we, we've been really interested to see the various different use cases and, and the excitement around the new program because it's, it's kind of a paradigm shift for how people have typically looked at uh, the, the marketplace. Right. And it's just going to continue to go that direction. I think that's where this more access. Yeah. It feels like the right uh, segue to go to you, Meg. I mean, we Sharon just covered a lot of ground of kind of where the industry is right now, how things have evolved. You've also spent a lot of time in e-commerce. When Sharon explains all of that, um, where does your mind start to go when it comes to the tax implications here or or what the other things are that, you know, retailers see this shiny technology, the, the buy with prime, they want to get that installed. They know their consumers are going to want it. What does that mean for them on the back end? Or what are the afterthought things that you're, they're coming to you with? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, watching e-commerce evolve over the years has yeah, been right. It's been awesome and fascinating. And I see it from both dimensions. I see it from technology, vendor supplier dimension and then i see it as a consumer which i love um but in terms of tax simply stated omnichannel complexity has a direct relationship to tax complexity mm -hmm. so the more your business is diversified by channel the greater the headache uh really to be able to manage all of that obligation around tax compliance where do you collect 
how do you make sure that all of your, your syndicated products are, are represented in terms of tax codes, in terms of um, tax values, et cetera? And how do you ensure that you aggregate that back? And so Avalara really has built this incredible tethered connection and web of partnership integrations. And so we have over 1,400 integrations. And in essence, we help to bring all of that data, you know, whether it's your ERP from your e-commerce system, your point of sale system, et cetera. So we incorporate, and that's the, that is the critical component for tax um, validation and compliance is ensuring that you have a central repository so that you're looking at the totality of all of your transactions. And it's just gotten more complicated over the years. And so today there are over 13,000 jurisdictions in the U.S. alone. Oh my gosh. You know, back to what you were saying, Ann. So it, it yeah. is, it's a lot to manage. And that's just, and every jurisdiction has the ability to charge different rates and apply different rules. And right. then that are always changing. It's always, <laughs> and that's just it. It's always yeah. changing. And so right. to, try to, to try to manage that manually, it's just kind I, I don't even know how SMBs are doing it. Or I, I certainly mid-market and, and larger retailers have, have definitely come to that conclusion. But there are still a, quite a bit of me, small to medium-sized businesses that are attempting to go at it alone. And well, Yeah, Meg, I, I'm curious. Like, I just have to ask there, like, too, especially as a former SMB myself, but, like, how many – well, let me back up. It doesn't come front and center. Like, the, the sign-up in many cases is like, we'll get you online. All you need is product photos. Here you go. Like, yeah. I think the tax thing is kind of an afterthought in that experience. And that. it's a major afterthought, though. Major. Like, the implications can, can shut you. down the business. Yeah. Major. So, so explain for me a little bit about what you've seen. I mean, how many SMBs are actually taking the right step and doing this in the right order? a great question. So we actually commissioned a study in 2022 on this exact question. So all the SMBs, do you think that you're doing tax compliance correctly? And you know, of course, there's other flavors of the question. 74% of them responded, said, yes, I think I'm doing it accurately. Oh but we know th through our all of our experience talking to businesses is they almost always come to us in a moment of crisis. Right. Yeah, it's after they've realized that they've been doing it wrong, whether they've missed a calculation, whether they missed pulling in transactions. Marketplaces is a great example. So they passed marketplace facilitation law a few years back, and marketplaces now have you know tax um, governments and, and entities moved that requirement to the platforms and said, I don't want to have to chase all the individual transactions. You marketplace platform are responsible for calculating it and remitting the tax on your platform. Well, that's great. So a lot of SMBs thought, oh, terrific. I'm off the hook. I don't have to worry about that any longer. Yeah. However, they still have to account for that in the aggregation of their totals. And so when you are tripping economic nexus laws and triggers, you have to account for those transactions. So, you know, my home state of Connecticut, as an example, the nexus law is $100,000 annually in sales or 200 transactions. New York is 500,000 or 100 transactions. Right. Well, that includes marketplace transactions, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the that's what's what's really interesting. So, to answer your question, many businesses believe they are doing it correctly and will go on for years operating in that way. Mm -hmm. And only to come through, whether it's an audit, whether they're doing a system migration, whether they're finding, you know, some event within their business condition that changes to then realize, and, it, and it's very stressful. It's very stressful for a small business because inevitably it, it leads to a pretty significant 
um, dollar value that they can't then go and recoup. I mean, you can't go back to to a consumer two years later and say, oh, I forgot to charge you, you know, seven dollars on that apparel transaction, right? If that consumer is long gone, right? And, and and as is that transaction. So that is um, that that is definitely a uh, a concern for a lot of businesses and. And, you know, you have a lot of businesses that are like, I'm just going to roll the dice because I've now I've gotten so far behind. Right. And yeah. the challenge is, is you've got to register, not only collect, not only, you know, calculate and collect, you have to be registered. So many oh, yeah. of them are like, I don't even want to register because once I register, now I'm exposed. Yeah. Now I'm officially an entity that the government's going to be looking for and trying. Right. Not a good idea. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or to your point, like not even going to your customer. You don't even can't even go to your own bank account sometimes when you're a small SMB. Yes. You yeah. know? You've spent that money already like, a lot of times. That's the big issue with the tax man coming to get you. But um, all right, well, Meg, so let's get right down to brass tax then. Like, you know, given that as the backdrop here, like kind of putting some emphasis on like something you should start thinking about if you're not already. Like, what should a retailer do? Like, what the heck should they do? Well, to start with the very first obvious one is you have to leverage a digital solution. And so certainly Avalara has lots of tools that that can scale depending upon your business size, et cetera, but there are other options. And so trying to do it manually is is just absurd in today's world. And so I, I would say job one is adopt a digital automated solution for yourself and for your business. And so do the research, make sure that you are incorporating that into your systems. Uh, and, and, and ideally that, as Sharon was mentioning, you know, all of our partnerships, we're all tethered together. And so we work really closely with the big commerce team and have for years. And we, we support many mutual customers and pull in all of that transaction data. And so having a partnership web that you then can be able to leverage for your system and your company, inevitably you'll find some type of connection there. So you don't have to necessarily do bespoke point integrations. You can have one partner and then leverage their integration network. And so that would be my first strong recommendation is go and get yourself a digital solution, leverage a cloud-based solution. Cloud-based, yep, for sure. Cloud-based solution for sure. Flexible APIs, I picked up in that too, right? Yeah. Like that's a key Yeah, and, and then think that. about the total journey, right? Mm-hmm. So not just, you know, it, we always call it sort of the, the, the trifecta of what you need and you need to be able to get registered. You need to be able to calculate tax and make sure that you've got all of your tax code mappings, et cetera. And, and that is staying current, right? As your business grows and develops and your catalog becomes more diversified. And then lastly, the remittance. And so making sure you can do your returns on whatever schedule those jurisdictions have, some are monthly, mm. quarterly, annually, et cetera. And then you've got a way to do that remittance and all the treasury behind it. So that's the end to end journey of, of compliances is, is really something that it, as your business, particularly as the business grows, you can't get away from it. So face it head on and just start to adopt that as part of your business practice. Meg, I want to ask you too, because we've talked a lot about small business. Is this just a small business problem though? Or is there also an enterprise side to this? Like how, oh, how do the enterprise, what, 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 you know, yeah. insight can you share on that side of things too? Because I imagine this has got to be complex for them too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, the difference is there's more sophistication certainly within enterprise, right? So you usually okay. have staff that helps to augment whatever digital tools you might have. And, and there's a lot more oversight and certainly there's a lot more exposure subsequently. So, so with enterprises, I mean, our solutions at Avalara, as an example, scale from SMB through enterprise and, and really our, our, you know, our sweet spot has been historically servicing mid-market 
companies. And so where you're right at the cusp where you might have a staff that is worrying about this day to day, but you don't have the tooling necessarily that you need to be able to have an automated um, solution. And so, yeah, but absolutely. I mean, enterprises, I would argue, even have more complexity because inevitably you're looking at global expansion. And so global expansion is a whole nother element around compliance. And so when you're doing cross-border, which was my background, you have things like export, import duties and taxes, as an example, you have to be sure that all of your VAT filings on the other side, and, and there's just now this trend coming up that is affecting a lot of large enterprises that are multinationals, that e-invoicing is this upcoming trend that's being adopted over in Europe. And it's been around for a while, certainly in Brazil and some of the other Latin markets. But in essence, what they're trying to do is address the financial exchange of of that remittance. And so there are so many, and, and you know, we saw this with Greece and other and other countries that have have this large VAT gap, they're calling it, where they are unable to collect what they believe is due to them through all the different e-commerce transactions and even point of sale transactions. And so now they are forcing live reporting of your transactions and in some cases remittance at the time of the transaction. So you have to bifurcate oh, wow. your treasury. And they'll have an accounting and a record at their end to say, I've seen this point of sale transaction, or I see this e-commerce transaction, or even a B2B transaction, I see it, they get a copy of the invoice, it's tagged. And at that point, they now have an account receivable, so they know exactly what you owe them. Wow. This is- Boom, mic drop on that one. So mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary thing for a lot of people to hear, but it is so important, which is why we were so yeah, glad to but, have uh, both of you on today. Sharon, as you hear Meg kind of go through all of these scenarios, what what are you seeing? How what are the impacts you're seeing in the importance of a partnership like the two of you have together that you're offering those SMBs as as everybody's embarking on these new businesses and new ways of doing business? Yeah, I, I, what I would say is whether it's SMB or enterprise, mm-hmm. um, there are new channels that are like it's like every day I hear about a new marketplace or a new social commerce offering that's being that's coming to the market, right? Right. Around how to discover those products that you're looking for, and I think. One of the things that's really interesting is any new channel implies there's going to be a tax, uh, essentially, obligation that needs to be considered, right? And so um, what needs to happen in order to create, you know, eat the complexity and yield the revenue is you have to have best of breed cloud-based solutions that talk to each other. And that, right. that that's why the e-commerce ecosystem of technology partners is so critical because our job is to go figure out the next best thing that Amazon or TikTok or Meta or whoever it is is going to offer in order to be able to deliver an awesome shopping experience within, within their own walled garden. And our jobs are to go figure out how to make that easy for the merchants mm-hmm. that we serve from a commerce point of view. And right. so I think that um, what, what's very clear to me is the more complexity that we get, the more important those pre-integrated solutions where the people have done the work in order to address each of those issues is. Because if you as a merchant um, rely on yourself to understand all of that non-linear complexity that grows when you expand uh, internationally with cross-border or cross-channel to social or ads or all those various different things, in some cases, some of those channels have done the work in order to integrate with solutions like Avalara so that they can kind of streamline the tax accounting reporting, tax and accounting reporting that you that they're already used to 
when they work with their e-com systems. But I think, you know, uh, certainly Meg can share, not all of the, not all of the channels have done that, right? Some mm -hmm. of them use flat tax files. And so there's actually a big discrepancy where they, they kind of do just what's needed from a tax perspective in order to be able to offer it, but the numbers are wrong. And so then there's this issue where if you get on a new channel in order to grow your business, you then have to do kind of this operational exercise to true up the information to make sure that it's actually accurate based on what you what you know about your business because uh because certainly the government is going to make sure that that's the case so right. so i think that there's there's an interesting opportunity there where essentially if what you're looking for is scalable business it's really important to align on the solution technology partners that are integrated that give you both the low total cost of ownership the flexibility and agility you need in order to actually address your business use cases. Um, and so I think, I think that that's kind of the, that's kind of what I would say. That's, that's what's at the, at the top of my mind when, when Meg kind of goes through her, her overview of some of the challenges that exist when you need to embark on this omni-channel world, which is inevitable. Like it's not an option. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a good ad. Yeah, software is your tool for scalability, really, at the end of the day. It's a great point. So you can never emphasize that enough, really, when you get down to it. So, all right, Sharon, I'll go back to you then as we start to close this discussion out. And, you know, we started with you from the 30,000 foot omni-channel view of how you see things evolving. Now yeah. I want to, now we want to go to, to understand where you think things are going next. We always like to end with a little predictions on this show whenever we can. So uh, we're curious, do you have any interesting e-commerce predictions or do you see any key advancements that you would like to call out here over the next three to five years being that you're, you got your nose, your ear pretty close to the grindstone on this one? Yeah, I, I think we all know that there's going to be a very significant number of channels that have that that occur. And the channels that invest in AI to be able to deliver a quality experience are going are going to be the haves versus the have-nots. And if data is the oil that is required in order to do that, what what one of the trends that we see is an, an extremely increased need for the agility to optimize product data. Yep. to uh, to essentially feed the AI the fruits and vegetables it needs to deliver you conversion, right? And whether that conversion is a search result or whether mm -hmm. it's conversion on a D2C site with your on-site search, um, this is a theme that we are seeing, which is if prompters are the new programmers, then you need to be able to have tools that allow your prompters to send the quality data, Catch whatever the that is, to the channels to drive the conversion for, to get you the growth that you're looking for. So that's one of the, I think, that's one of the very, very big use cases. And Meg and I were talking and I think that like, so whether it's with feedonomics, with product data, where you're optimizing the data that you're sending to either on-site search or, you know, channels like advertising and marketplaces where AI can be used to categorize millions of SKUs at scale, the way that feedonomics has, or uh, kind of the AI approach that tax solution providers are taking. And Meg can talk a little bit more about that. I think we're seeing it all over commerce right now. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Meg, yeah, please chime in. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think Sharon, you know, captured it very well, but uh, it is inevitable. I mean, you know, from the consumer side, I imagine that we are only going to become more demanding. We're only going to continue to want more flexibility and choice and expect speed. Mm -hmm. And so that leads to just more uh, demand and prioritization for omnichannel, right? To make sure that your product is persisted in all the various channels where consumers are and you're providing expedited way with which to get that product to them and also flexibility in terms of how to return that product or exchange that product. And so that then just has downstream effect in your back office. And that's where tax and the complexity around tax and automation is just going to continue to persist. So my recommendation would be just make that investment now in cloud enabled systems, just like Sharon was mentioning, 
all of that data will be tethered. We're doing the hard work for the back office to ensure that data is being tethered. And then you as the, as the retailer make the investments in those solutions. And, and then you know, set yourself up in a way, I, you know, coming from a, managing a retail practice with many Fortune 500 retailers, it was really surprising how handicapped they were by their legacy technology. And oh, so yeah. they, they, they just had such challenges trying, Amen. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, big, yeah. big name brands, big box retailers yes. I used to work with, and they could not make decisions around what the consumer wanted and needed and be able to be flexible around that because they had all these legacy applications. And so you know, now would be the time to invest. Don't delay, get those systems in place and set yourself up so that you can scale without having to be burdened by, um, it's such a big, yeah, it's such a big, scary thing that it handcuffs a lot of the innovation that can happen at these companies too, like big, big companies and small companies. I mean, like we said earlier, it's, you know, one wrong move and the liability is so significant that, it can it can turn a turn a great idea into a very long term idea or uh, or even you know a business and then an entire business. So it's it's so important to be focused on what in technology. Make the investment yeah. in those cloud based yeah. systems, and then allow yourself permission to participate in all these various channels and grow with the economy because it, it will continue to to get more complex. And so right. set yourself up. Well, that's a point I love to end on too. If I put my stamp on this too. Like, I think the the point that you know that uh, Sharon you brought up around AI is just only going to fuel the complexity of this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and amen to your point too around item data and making sure that that feeds the prompts the way they should be fed. But yes, that's going to open up new lanes for commerce that none of us can even conceive of yet, which makes this entire preamble to this discussion just that much more important. So, so absolutely. That was great. You, both of you, thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with each of you and pick your brains, what's the best way for them to do that? Meg, why don't you go first? Sure. Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Megan Higgins on LinkedIn. And certainly if you go to avalera.com, you can find myself and, and any of information that we spoke about today. All right, Sharon, how about you? Yeah, similar on LinkedIn. You'll, you can, you can find me there and, uh, feedonomics.com, bigcommerce.com. We have a number of various different, uh, uh, landing pages that articulate some of our omni-channel offerings. And um, certainly something that we could offer is uh, we're, we're happy to participate in auditing folks' uh, data if they feel like it's it's not performing the way that it should on Google or other channels. And so feel free to reach out to us and we'd be, we'd be happy to perform an omni-channel consult to support that. Better you than the government coming to <laughs> I'd much rather hang out with the two of you than I would get a phone call or a letter in the mail. I can guarantee you that. Careful, Ed. I don't want the IRS on our backs, you know? Like, careful, 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 careful what we say here. Avalara is a fun crowd, so I... Yes. Right, right, right. Uh, Speaking of that... Yeah, and before we go, we should also note that thanks to Avalara, Ann and I are going to be live streaming from their booth all day Wednesday at the Retail Innovation Conference and Expo on June 14th, and that is from booth number one. 412. So if you'll be there, stop by and say hello. And then also there's going to be a retail therapy session in the booth that day, starting at 11 o'clock with fruit infused water and relaxation. And that is also going to be and smoothies and forget the smoothies. And that is also going to be put on in partnership with big commerce. So if you're going to be at the show, stop on by, get some relaxation and maybe some 
Avalara. Less taxing, more relaxing. Oh, oh there we go. Wow. That, that better be on some swag when we get over there, Meg. You, if your team, they're probably going to kill me for saying that because they're like, we're already right, shipping right, stuff. Right. We're at the conferences in a few weeks. But That is um, my kind of dad joke, though, Ann. That is my kind of dad joke to end on. So that wraps us up. Thanks to sharing of Big Commerce and to Meg Higgins of Avalara for sitting down with us today. And as always, on behalf of all of us at Omnitalk, as always, be careful out there.